Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Downloads. For more sermons, please visit our website. We know you will be blessed as you listen. Take care and God bless. I saw this sculpture of David. Thank you. And I removed everything that wasn't part of what I saw. Man, is there a sermon in there or what? God sees something in you that you don't even see yourself. When God looks at you in Jesus Christ and he sees Jesus Christ in you, he's looking at what might seem to be a slab of boring concrete or or marble or stone, but he sees way more than that. And we limit ourselves to just seeing one another according to the flesh, the Bible says. But God sees something much more. And it's His Word that works mightily to remove everything in our lives that is not in accordance to how He relates to us. God is not relating to you in your current situation and hardship and difficulty and fear and unbelief. He's relating to you according to what he sees in that stone. And he sees his son and he sees you and me in his son and his son in us. And his word is going to remove everything out of the way to that end. The devil's role is to keep reminding you of your past so that he can block your future. God sees your future and has dealt with your past and he's using his word. Day and night, night and day, day and night, working in our lives. And the only part we have to play in this whole process is agreement. Is agreement that I need to get the word working in my life. I want to just, three things quickly I want you to remember. They're not going to come up, but I want you to remember these, these three things. In the scripture, in God's word, number one, it carries his authority. When he speaks, it's the highest government of heaven speaking. When God speaks, it's, it's authority. The second thing about the word of God is that it carries his anointing. His anointing Because it's by the Holy Spirit that His Word came to us. When we meditate on His Word, and it comes, as some people say, rhema word, it it becomes God speaking to us. It carries His anointing. His anointing is the empowerment to do the thing that He told us to do. Or be the person He told us to be. There's an anointing on His Word. So there's authority. It comes from Him. There's anointing. And then thirdly, the Word of God carries His faith. The thing He speaks about you, He believes. Isn't that amazing? When He looks at you, and he, when He looked at Gideon, and, he, and Gideon was hiding away and all intimidated, and He said, mighty man. What does that say about God? He believed in Gideon. And when He declares you righteous, guess what? He's declared a word of faith over your life. Because he believes it. When he says, 
in His Word, I can do all things through Christ. When we take hold of that, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Jesus believes that about you. That's why His Word says that. And I have to come into agreement with what His Word says about me. So in Romans 6 verse 6, 2, sin shall not be your master. That's not a commandment of demanding something from us. It's a commandment of supplying something to us. Very important. When the Word of God says, be holy in the Old Covenant, it means go out and be convicted of your sin and go to the high priest and get forgiven, you miserable sinner. But when the New Covenant says, be holy, it's actually like God saying, let there be light. It's God looking at the rock and saying, I see something you don't see, and I say, be holy. God believes that you can be holy. No ways, no, no, you, no, that's, only God is holy. No, no, you are called a holy people. We are called a holy people. Because God's faith in us is that we are a holy people. So those are the three things that his word carried. So for example, when he saw Matthew sitting as a tax collector, he said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. First of all, it's the highest authority in the universe that says come. Secondly, it's an empowering command to come because there's an anointing on it for him to, be, to follow. And then thirdly, all Matthew had to do was believe it. He said it, and I believe it. Therefore, I'm following. So every time God works his word in our life, it's because we receive seed that, first of all, we have to believe is his authority. Secondly, that we have to believe is an empowering word. He's not asking of you anything that you are incapable of. When he gave the great commission and said, you'll make disciples of all nations, he wasn't then went to heaven and said, I hope they can get it right. He had more faith than that. Because his word is an empowering word. It's not the old covenant of, I demand you be righteous. Do these things and you'll be righteous. Circumcise on the third day, you know, observe the Sabbath, keep the Ten Commandments. Then, you know, you'll never be righteous because you can never get to that level. The old covenant is a demanding covenant. The new covenant is a supplying covenant. It's where Jesus enables us by His Spirit to do all things. Corinthians 13 would be impossible if it wasn't that the love of God has been poured in my heart by the Holy Spirit. I mean, just, just think of Corinthians 13. Lo love keeps no records of wrongs. Okay, hello. How's that going for you? No, I don't keep, a, I don't keep records of anyone's wrongs. I, I've forgiven them. I just don't want to ever see them again. Yeah, well, you've just precluded yourself from heaven because they're going to be in heaven and you're going to go there one day. So if you're sure you don't want to see them again, you better think twice. Keep no records of wrongs. That's not a commandment of demand. That's a commandment. That is a, a commission that Jesus believes you're capable of. It comes with his authority. 
It comes with his anointing, and it comes with your faith. And all you've got to do is join your faith to it and say, yes, amen. That's what's inside that rock, is somebody who does not keep records of wrongs. Someone who does not envy. Someone who does not boast. Someone who looks out for the good of others. Who walks in humility and is merciful to those who don't even deserve mercy. And is quick to forgive and preserves the unity of peace. Yes, that's who I am in that rock. It sometimes doesn't look like it on the outside here. But I know in that rock, that's what God sees. And I'm going to bring my life into agreement with the highest authority, the power of the Holy Spirit, and the faith of Jesus that He has in me. Come on. I'm missing Mark Ellis here this morning. He's the biggest amener in the church. Oh, Steve, you're very insecure. You need people to say amen. You know what you're doing when you say amen, eh? You see, preaching is not a classroom school teacher. Preaching is like prophetic. Preaching is declaring of truth that we all agree. And when we vicariously or substitutionally enter into that declaration, we're making it our own. But if I just sit from a distance with a little notebook and go, well, I'll give that one a 3 out of 10 today. The worship was about a 6 out of 10. Uh, the preaching was about a 1 out of 10. Then we receive nothing from the Word. So it's not a bad thing to enter into the ministry of the word or the ministry of prophecy or the ministry of an evangelist who's preaching the gospel and say, yes, give it to me. That's mine. I receive it. Woo! Nothing wrong with it. Okay, that was just a little preclude. Put that on the side. Put it down over there somewhere. Jesus looked at the tomb and he said, Lazarus, come forth. That was the highest government in the universe. It had an anointing that went right down into Abraham's bosom or wherever Lazarus was because he wasn't in his body anymore and he heard ding, 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 calling back to earth, calling back to earth. My body needs me. My body needs me. Got into like a, like a, a, a portal time warp thing or whatever. Back in his body. All bandaged up. Oh, now I'm in a mess. Now I'm really highly strung. Now I'm really stuck over here. Take those off him, Jesus says. Highest authority with the anointing. And when it comes with agreement, I want to tell you, it doesn't matter what you're facing right now that looks like it's dead. There's a reason Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth, or else all the dead would have stood up. But there's some things you need to speak to in your life. Not vaguely like, dead bones, come to life, please. Please, dead bones, come to life. No. You need to name our children. Come to life. We need to name that business contract that's out there. Come to life. When, when, the, when the masses were hungry and the disciples said, what shall we do? Jesus said, you feed them. There you go again. Highest authority in the land, in the universe. With an anointing. He wasn't asking them anything that couldn't be supplied. But they had to enter in. They had to believe. And little became much. They stood there staring at their hands and there was a fish eye and a few scales and a bit of... And they went and they gave it away. And they looked and, oh, there was some more fish. They gave it away. And they were, oh, there was some more fish. Suddenly they were just running around, just shh. You see, faith grows 
even, while we, even when we're not aware of it, the word we've put in us is growing. I don't know, I don't know what need there is out there that you've been called to meet. You might find it's impossible. How can seven days wages couldn't feed this amount of people, Lord? Now wait for that word to come from heaven to say, with me, nothing is impossible. I'm going to take this situation, says Lord, the Lord, and where it seemed like you are on your own and you were totally incapable of taking the next step. He says, I'm going to be your boldness. I'm going to be your courage. And I'm going to cause you to stand up in the midst of the enemies like you declared today and shout hallelujah. My God reigns. He's victorious. He takes little and he makes it much for his name's sake. Come on. Jesus spoke about himself and said, the Son of God will be rejected, he'll be persecuted, he'll be crucified, but on the third day, he's going to rise again. You've got to have a lot of faith to make that kind of statement. (laughs) And for 2,000 years, people are believing in their hearts and confessing with their mouths that Jesus was buried and he died and he rose again on the third day. And the moment they put their faith in what he said, as transformation takes place, they're born again in their spirits. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live, I live by Christ's faith. I'm living by the faith of Jesus. He had a lot of faith. He had a lot of faith. To say that about himself. Can you use those same words? I believe. That's all you had to do when you stepped out of darkness into light. When you came out of being spiritually dead into being spiritually alive. Was to agree with the word of Jesus that on the third day I'm going to rise again. Romans 8 verse 1 says, there's now, say now. No condemnation to those in Christ. You know, early scribes found that too good to be true, so they added a little piece in there. Old King James has got it. For those who walk according to the blood of It wasn't never dead. Early manuscripts show it was added in the 5th century because they thought it, that's too good. You can't tell people that they're not under condemnation anymore. How are you going to control the masses if they don't feel condemned and need to come and pay for their sins to be forgiven and do little rituals? And you, You've got to keep them under. got to keep them under to rule them. But the Word of God says there's now no condemnation. That Word, my friend, carries the authority of the government of the Supreme Court of the universe. That promise, my friend, comes with an anointing on it that is to empower you. And that word comes with his faith that you join your faith to. And a little bit of that marble gets chipped away. Gets chipped away. Gets chipped away. Because his greatest purpose in our lives is that Christ would be demonstrated, that we'd be transformed into the image of Jesus. But for too long, we were leaning on religion to do that and not walking by faith and allowing the Word to work mightily 
in our lives. Can you say amen? So I love this message so far, till about Wednesday. And then something happened. Who's had a building operation go on in their home? The invasion, the noise, the dust, it goes on and on. And if you get told one month, it's usually four. And if they're told this, the project's going along to plan, and then something worse than the building project happens. What's that? You don't see them for a few days. Huh? You know that feeling, eh? And then anxiety steps in. Because I've got to get the nest ready before Mama Bird flies back from England. Because when Mama Bird comes and finds this place in this mess, she's going to pick it to pieces. No, she won't. But I'm a bit anxious now because I had a deadline. I had a goal. I doubled the time. We're on course. But three days no show is no joke. And then there's something even worse than that. What's that? When they don't answer the phone. Hello? Anybody? Your pastor is fuming with the love of Jesus and the joy of the Lord. At about this moment, I get this in my spirit. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things through prayer, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God. Oh, but hang on, Lord. I know that verse. Please give me a break. This is not the time for that verse. That's, let me rather preach that verse. Right now, I'm fuming. Be anxious. Do you hear this now? God's authority says, be not anxious. Which, in religious terms, means I need to go and try hard. From God's perspective, he's just saying, storm, be still. And then he rebukes their faith, because they should have done that themselves. They couldn't go out and physically calm the water. Be still. Anxiousness, be still. So I did it, because I've got to preach this on Sunday now. I've got to practice it. You get it for 30 minutes, I get it the whole week. Ever you get a new revelation, boom. Okay, Lord, your word says, says it. I believe it. You, it's an empowering word, not a demanding word. I get that. I get the new covenant. So now I believe it. I put my faith, and I drive, and I get home. And guess who's there? Nobody. You see, sometimes we think, you know, just like a little, a little magic wand, little dabble do that. You see, the point wasn't whether he was going to come or not. The point was that until I found peace, I had not had that piece of marble chipped off my block. And I do have quite a chip on my block. 
I'm a balanced person. I've got a chip on both logs. But I resolve in my heart, I'm not going to be anxious. No. I can't. I'm too prone to anxiety. Is anyone relating to me? Do you get anxious when things don't go according to your plan? It's a terrible thing. It's like drawing a circle and then stopping halfway. And you're going, please finish it. Please, please finish it. Don't stop it. It's like this like frustration, this cognitive dissonance. It's like, no, please. How do you know that the word is working mightily in you? When the peace comes. And suddenly it's like, whatever, first world problem. Gee, I've got such a big problem. I'm three days behind schedule. Tell that to a Syrian swimming across the Mediterranean. Oh, your life is so tough. Now get, get a new perspective on that. Oh, the lady at the till was rude to me. She didn't speak to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have got one problem. You've you just never been in her situation. And you don't know what she went through the day before. So I did get a phone call back, and the job is on track. But I realized that wasn't the purpose of it. I wasn't trying to twist God's arm to do something. I was just being the person he's called me to be. And that's at peace, with no anxiety. Come on. Some of you got anxiety right now. The Lord says it's not about that thing moving or not moving. God says, I, I've already got the solution for that thing. Long time ago, before you even knew it was going to become a problem, I knew what the solution. But I've chipped away a piece of your block that is revealing the life of my son, and it's not your effort required. The word has to work mightily in us. Jesus said to the sick man, be healed. Two words. It had the government of heaven, authority, had the anointing of the spirit to empower it, and when the man received it, it happened. Now, we don't have all the answers for healing and that. I was chatting to some guys at the, the leaders' life group simulation evening we had on Thursday, which was really outstanding. Um, and he's saying to me, you know, about 15 years ago, he heard about John G. Lake, that they even put, like, some bacterias of some TB tuberculosis, and they had a microscope. And, and on these, the, 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 the microbes or the whatever bacterias began to just die on his hand as he he went before it was like a scientific experiment they did now i haven't researched that i don't know you know how they, the story all that but but i have heard it before but he shared this with me and he said we got a revelation of healing at that time by his stripes we healed he says for the next few years i can't tell you how we were attacked if it wasn't this one with pneumonia, it was this one. If it wasn't that, it was this one in hospital. It, just went, it was just like, and, and they just kept saying, oh, we're either going to lower what we believe is the word from God to our faith, or we're going to hold it up to his faith, who said, be healed. And they just, they persevered through that. He says for the last 10 years now, just they've celebrated 10 years of in their household, not as much as a common cold. Young children, not as much as a common cold. Now, when we hear a testimony like that, all kinds of things start going through our minds. Like, why not me, Lord? Before you get there, let's just say, thank you, God. Praise God. Someone's contending. And I know I need a theology for suffering. 
And I, I've been in this, it's not my first rodeo. I've seen, but, but when somebody gets up and, and takes that kind of stance, I say, let that be the standard. Let me not shrink down to my uh, minimalism situation and minimize it. And yes, good people that pray and believe die, and I get all that. But let's not run down the guy who's trying to live by faith and can say after 10 years, not so much as a common cold in my house. I want to say, let that be the standard and let the other be the lie. Come on. I know it's so easy to get cynical. Cynical is just code for unbelief, but it's a nice word. But, but we do. We do get cynical because, because of bad experience. God's word says he wants you to be in good health and to prosper as your soul prospers. That means he wants you blessed on three levels, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. This gospel thing is not just for the spirit man. This gospel is for our whole person, our personality to be brought under the chiropractor's hand and correction to be brought to stinking thinking. You know, we can walk out here this morning and say, ah, oh, lovely song, hallelujah. And Steve has told a few good jokes, la da 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 but the words that come out of our mouth will either reinforce his government, his anointing, his faith, or they will undermine his word, which is his authority, his anointing, and his faith. We can walk out here and say, okay, back to normal now. Oh, did you hear what happened to this one? Oh, this it's an impossible situation. Oh, I just feel too bad. And I don't have the courage to go and speak because, you know, who am I? You know, I've, I'm just so messed up. And, you know, I just have to try hard. And that person was rude to me. And I'm not going to forgive them. And, and anyway, this is an impossible situation. And we can, as quickly as the word came, the birds can come. As quickly as the word came, the thorns can grow. But I want to pray with you this morning. I want to pray for myself. That wasn't the only struggle I went through this week. There were a few others. And I know it's God just trying to work something in us. His word is working mightily in me. His word is working mightily in me. No matter what the circumstances, what I feel or see, His word is working mightily. Let's stand up together. Lord, I pray right now. People need a miracle. People here, Lord, who need to see the, the dead raised. There's people here who need to see themselves walking on the water of impossibilities. There are people here today, Lord, who need to have those, those wounds. You give them beautiful ashes. Oh, those wounds. He gives you oil of joy for mourning. Those wounds. He brings the balm of Gilead. Those wounds bring to him that lump of clay is going to be transformed that block of marble has got the most beautiful impression of you as you but you in Jesus and Jesus in you
right now, let's just lift up our hands. I really want this word to soak in you. Let the chiropractor just come right now. Let him adjust. Let him tweak. Let him change. Let him change. Let him transform. Let him heal. Put a guard upon our lips, Lord, that we will only speak what's according to your truth. Help us to pay attention, Lord, to the thoughts we allow to run rampant and then express themselves in negativity, complaining, criticism, grumbling, jealousy, envy, malice. Put a guard upon our lips, Lord, 